When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome into a special edition of Rotobiz Radio. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. We have a superb guest for you today. We have Dr. David Chow, who is a practicing orthopedic surgeon and former NFL head team physician for the then San Diego Chargers for over 17 years. You may know him best, however, from his work on Twitter. He is a great follow at ProFootballDoc, where he diagnoses NFL injuries in real-time speed with a documented over 95% accuracy. Every Sunday, unfortunately, injuries do happen, and sometimes they happen to our favorite fantasy players and our top players, like Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Dalvin Cook. Dr. Chow is always right there on Twitter, oftentimes periscoping and giving us immediate information as to the severity of the injury. So Dr. Chow is going to talk with us today about the most common types of injuries he sees at different positions, how the new quarterback roughing the passer rules affecting the injuries both positively and negatively, who are some of the toughest players he's ever worked with, and he'll give us an update to some of the current key injuries that are at the forefront of the NFL right now. So it's going to be a great interview, but before we get started, I want to remind you, real quick reminder here, that you can support the Road of His Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Road of His Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show where we answer all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 per month and provide exclusive access to Road of His Live. That's four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Road of His Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners access our premium content and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce the high quality industry leading programming you have come to expect remember rotoviz radio on patreon and now let's bring on the pro football doc dr david chow Please welcome to the show Dr. David Chow, who is a practicing orthopedic surgeon and former NFL head team physician for the San Diego Chargers for over 17 years. He has his own podcast, the Pro Football Doc Podcast, and Dr. Chow is fantastic at providing real-time NFL injury information on Twitter, where you can find him, and please follow him at Pro Football Doc. Dr. Chow, it's great to talk to you here on Road of His Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'd like to start with the most common injury in the NFL today, which centers on the knee. It seems like every couple of weeks or even every week we hear about a new torn MCL or ACL, and these injuries, in essence, end the season for the player. It seems like these injuries are very commonplace in today's NFL as compared to years ago. We just didn't hear a lot about them. Why is that, and is there anything you know that athletes can do to try to reduce the chance of an MCL or ACL tear? Well, MCL and ACL are both ligaments of the knee, but they're a little bit different. Uh, MCLs uh, hopefully do not end your season. ACLs do, like Jimmy Garoppolo and, and others. And is there anything that you can do? There are some things that you can do, and, and they are prevalent. And I think the reason why they're so prevalent partly is because of such great media coverage, like outlets like yours and others. And it used to be, you know, a while back it was just a knee injury. Now it's a specific knee injury, and we know the body part 
And now uh, not just the stars, but every uh, backup left guard gets reported. So because of such information and the uh, Internet social media era, I think we hear a lot more about it. Like people are surprised to hear that uh, um, we're going to get into the 50s probably this year. We're about 37 or 38 right now in ACL Terrace since the start of this uh, calendar season, including preseason. And uh, we're going to get into the low 50s, and that's about average. And people say, oh, my gosh, that's a ton, but that's actually what it's historically been. And uh, the reason why I think they continue, uh, the problem is that if you're, uh, as, as athletes get bigger, faster, stronger, your ACL doesn't get any more stout or thicker. My ACL is not much different than that of a, a defensive tackle, the ACL. Yeah, that's sort of my my idea. Is do these injuries correlate to a small tear or pre existing condition, or is this something that just is luck and can happen to a completely healthy knee of a top athlete? Most of the times, there is no correlation to a pre existing partial or micro tearing. It is a combination of uh, bad luck. The ACL is uh, what I call an internal seatbelt in the knee, and uh, most times you don't need your seatbelt engaged, but uh, sometimes when you get into that accident or slam on the brakes, you do, and uh, sometimes the force is just hard enough that it, it, it can break the seatbelt. Uh, they're, they're bad luck injuries for the most part. 75 or 80% are non-contact. Of course, there are those injuries where your knee gets hit quote, destroyed, and uh, that's a contact ACL. But the majority are non-contact. You and your team, doctor, specialize in orthopedic sports medicine treatment, and another off-injured area is the shoulder. Dislocation, labral and rotator cuff repairs. I would think these tend to be quarterback injuries. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about the new quarterback sack rule. I heard on your podcast you were talking about this as well. And the goal of that was to aim to prevent sort of these type of injuries. Green Bay linebacker Clay Matthews has been at the forefront of that. William Hayes is now out for the year after sacking Derek Carr in such a way that he felt he was trying to do so he didn't get a penalty. You made a very interesting point about Hayes on your podcast from what you saw, and I know you see both sides here. Certainly the intent of the rule is admirable, but have you seen a positive effect on quarterbacks this season? And compare what you've seen this year with those quarterback injuries with this new rule to how it's been in the past. Well, the the season is still young, and, you know, uh, I guess you could call some of the em- emphasis, uh, you know, on landing on the quarterback, et cetera, the Aaron Rodgers rule from last year when uh, he broke his uh, right throwing shoulder collarbone. And nobody wants that. Everyone wants to see the stars available uh, and to play. But here's the thing I think everyone is missing. It is absolutely great that the uh to me i like the new helmet rule from the perspective of why we're only some players exempt from from getting hit in the head you know all players should be exempt from that and you can talk about how it's adjudicated and and what have you but as far as all the quarterback protections go and i get it's a quarterback league if you really look at the quarterback injuries the league is doing everything they can to protect the quarterback however uh, the quarterbacks themselves and the way the game has changed has to take some responsibility. But go back the last few years in terms of all of the injuries, from Aaron Rodgers extending the play and rolling out and then getting hit 
landed on and breaking his collarbone, to uh, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota trying to scramble and gain extra yards and extend the play and breaking their ankle two years ago. Carson Wentz, it was on a designed run, uh, uh, making a hard cut for a touchdown where he got hurt. Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL last year, admittedly in practice, but still was uh, on a uh, running play. And you can go through many, many examples of quarterbacks extending plays and running leading to uh, the injury. They're really out of the pocket and extending plays. And most of those quarterback protections don't even apply when you're out of the pocket like that. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with his ACL tear, a non-contact injury, but still he uh, was running near out of bounds, made a hard cut to cut back inbounds and to try and gain a few extra yards after he already had the first down and ended up with the uh, ACL tear. But isn't it ironic we have this whole new era of athletic quarterbacks running around and extending plays and doing great things, and they're the ones getting hurt, the younger, healthier guys, but the guys like Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers that don't have one quarter of the athleticism, and Phillip's my friend, I'm not banging on him or Eli, but they're the ones that have stayed healthy through all this time because they stay in the pocket and they get rid of the football, and that's how the plays and the rules are designed to benefit them, and they take advantage of it. That's an excellent point. It really is. The running quarterbacks, that, that they're going to put themselves more at risk. You were the head physician for the Chargers for 17-plus years. You can speak to the process of an athlete getting clearance to get back on the field after they're injured, whether it's a body injury or concussion. What some people don't know, and I did hear you talk about this in one of your, your other interviews, is the details of that process. So for our listeners who may not know that, explain the process when somebody comes out of the game for an injury of them getting cleared to go back in. And then, of course, something else you mentioned, the checks and balances required for a player, let's say, who got injured for a few weeks, for them getting cleared to get back on the field. I don't think it's as easy as people as people assume it is. Well, you know, everyone assumes it's all on medical, and medical certainly is a big component. But in my time in the league, return to play is really a three-headed monster, and I'll, and I'll explain that. And uh, this is why it's actually easier for me to look at quality video and describe what an injury is than it is to say, is this player playing this week or is he not playing this week? And I'll tell you why. First of all, return to play depends on three factors, and they have to be unanimous. And in some ways, you could say it's the uh, uh, Congress, the President, and the Supreme Court. In the athlete's case, it's the player, the medical staff, and the team. And here's what I mean by this. Of course, the medical staff needs to clear the player in order for him to return. But the player needs to feel like he can do it and have confidence that he can take the field before he's going to play. And the team has to give the, the sign-off and the check-off. Think about it this way. If the player wants to go and the doctor says, okay, he's 80%, but I'm going to clear him, the team may say, no, no, not this week. We, we want him at 95 or 90. We're going to hold off a little bit. One example is, recently is Aaron Rodgers and his return to play. There was a lot of talk about the conservative Green Bay medical staff, but also the conservative nature of the Green Bay team and not wanting to injure their star in the, in the long run. So all of these, these things come into play. Imagine a situation where the player wants to play, the doctor wants to play, the team, the owner, the head coach may say, not this week or not today, based on scheme or based on long term or, or what have you. And if the team says yes and the doctor says yes, 
But the player says, I just don't feel confident in my knee. Do you think that guy's playing? No, he's not. Uh, by the other token, if uh, the team is itching for him to go, the player says he's good to go, but medical doesn't sign off, he's not. So it's a system of checks and balances. And uh, from the outside, sometimes it's hard to see what is the holdup in returning to play. And it's not always as simple as just the doctor giving the clearance. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that certainly was lost on me. It's not as simple as just doctors saying you go in. It's 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 more complicated than that. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Mike. Uh, you know, there have been many times. Let's take an example. Like everyone says, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette, his hamstring, is he going to play or not? Or Dalvin Cook in his hamstring, is he going to play or not? Look, if it were the Super Bowl, I'm quite sure both of those players would play. No question about it. But here's often what I've said to a, a head coach and a GM, okay, you can clear this player to play. He's about 85% right now, and he's got an X percent chance of aggravating the hamstring, and you're losing him for another two or three weeks afterwards. Uh, do you want to play him? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no. They'd rather have a, a 100% backup playing in, in place of an 85% starter. So there's a lot of coaching decisions that go into that factor too, which is why I don't love this game of will he or will he not play when you're coming off a hamstring like that. A, the video isn't as clear. B, you don't have an exam. C, you're not inside the building to look at all the, the options in terms of from a strategic point of view. Uh, excellent point. Uh, football is a dangerous sport. You've gone over some of these injuries. These players are putting their health on the line each and every week. Is there a variance, and I would think there would be, to the ability for a professional football player to play with pain? That, to me, is a skill, much like blocking or tackling. And in your experience, who are some of the toughest players you worked with in your career that were really able to play through the pain and still perform at a high level? Well, there was a, there are a number of them. And uh, one of the things I'll tell you is uh, the, the and this is true of patients, too, uh, the patients, at least my patients that come in and say, Doctor, I'm tough. I can stand pain. I won't have a problem after surgery. Those are the ones you might want to watch out for. The ones that say when you start talking about pain, just shrug it off, those are the ones that seem to do well. So in, in my experience, uh, the ones that sort of can, as you say, ignore pain or just deal with it and uh, it's a bump in the road are the ones that are tougher. And there's a lot of different examples uh, over time uh, that I've had, and it's hard to single them out. But, but certainly it's hard not to single out a, a, a junior Seau or uh, John Perella back in the day, uh, a D lineman for us. Uh, those are hard ones to, to uh, not single out. Phillip Rivers is certainly tough. Look, he really hasn't missed any games. And you, I can tell you he's had injuries. He just hasn't missed any games. And so there's a, there's a number of people that, that, that can ignore pain and, and play through it. And by the way, they're not paying through, playing through on pain medication. Pain medication, narcotic pain medication, slow down your reaction time and your thinking. Uh, you can't have a quarterback on pain medication uh, playing that way or even a defensive player who really needs to know scheme to be able to anticipate what's going on. So very few of these players actually play with narcotic pain medicine. Yeah, I would think that would that would hurt decision-making. And, and I expected you to say Rivers. That's what I thought. I mean, he, he's played every game. He's an ultimate competitor. Certainly with someone on the outside that, that, that came to me that would be one of those players. Uh, let's talk about some of the injuries that have occurred this year. One of the biggest ones, of course, was week one, the Aaron Rodgers injury that occurred in the first half of the game against the Bears. You periscoped at halftime and said, quote, I don't see how this is an ACL tear the way he landed. And sure enough, you were right on. 
We as fans, we saw Rodgers on the cart, him going off, and, and for the fantasy football community, we start running to the waiver wire already trying to see who we're going to replace him with and assume the worst. What made you know that he was going to be okay when the rest of us just assumed he was gone for the year, and how do you think it's going to affect him or limit him moving forward rest of the season? Well, like if I, if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, just, it, it, it's just, you know, years or decades of experience, not just as an orthopedic surgeon, not just as a physician, but seeing these injuries. Uh, one of the things that I did, and, and I'm not sure why I did it when I was in the league, but uh, after seeing a player hurt uh, on Sunday, on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room, and then the following day in injury clinic the next morning after an MRI, made it a habit of going upstairs with the head athletic trainer, James Collins, and going to the video room. And the video boys would always have injuries pulled up for us, the all-22 end zone and sideline, as well as the uh, game film uh, from the broadcast. And we'd look at the injuries. I'm not sure what we were looking for. I, you know, it's a football thing to do to look at video, and so perhaps that's why I was doing it. Uh, but just to try and learn more about your craft, so to speak. And that, in turn, after 17 years of doing that, now that I'm done with uh, the traveling and the sideline work and the little kids at home, uh, I think it's led to give me a big advantage in being able to tell these things by looking. And uh, one of the things I will tell you I do not look at is I pay very little attention to a player's reaction. Because sometimes a player can be incredibly mad at himself or disappointed or emotional. And it only means that he's out for that game, uh, not for the season, because he's just that emotionally invested in the game. And there are other times where a player is very stoic about it, nothing at all, and they are done for the season. And so that's one thing I don't look at. I look at the mechanism of injury, and how I look at that is, imagine if you go to a doctor's office and say you hurt your knee, what does the doctor ask you? Uh, how did it happen? What were you doing? How did you fall? How did you twist? How does it hurt, et cetera? That's the history. Well, in an acute injury like Aaron Rodgers or whatever, the uh, history is the video, and that's where we get some of that. For new people who follow, they're like, oh, you're on your couch. How can you know? And I say, yeah, I'm absolutely on my couch, and I don't know for sure I'm not dealing in insider information where I'm calling the agent or calling someone. I'm dealing in insider knowledge where you're just looking at the injury itself. Insider knowledge can make you a lot of money in the stock market. Insider information that will get you arrested by the SEC, as, as a linebacker now knows in the NFL. The bottom line is it's just looking at the video and looking at mechanisms and having uh, studied it uh, to, to say that. And I don't necessarily pay attention the fact that Aaron Rodgers was carted off. That doesn't necessarily mean anything to me, good or bad, per se. And that's why everyone goes to you on Twitter, because we see these things and we make conclusions and judgments that probably are not as as related as what you're talking about, what you're looking at. Yeah, and, and, that's, what's been, and, that, and that's what's been fun about the Periscope at halftime. Uh, I've done it every halftime, and uh, be it Thursday, Sunday, both games, or in the Sunday night game, Monday night game, so five times a week at halftime, kind of appointment thing, kind of go over injuries. Hopefully there are no new injuries and go over them, but when there is an injury in the first half, it gets pretty popular. It's, you know, it's been pretty popular as it is, but uh, we're getting over uh, 
you know, 30,000 a, a week on Periscope. Just, uh, and I enjoy chatting with the fans and hopefully the fans enjoy sometimes when my kids are sitting on my lap too. Oh, it's great. No, I love that personally when I see that. And, and your timeline filled up with the Garoppolo injury. You talked about that. Uh, Justin Houston had an interesting take after the game. He's saying that it was foolish for Garoppolo to try to get extra yards. He just needs to step out of bounds and save himself. I, I assume you probably agree with that, right? Given what we talked about. Yes and no. In retrospect, and, you know, as a, a Monday morning quarterback like we all are, and I do write a column called Monday Morning MD, uh, yes, that's easy to say. Look, Jimmy, you were near the sideline. You already got the first down. Why did you want to turn into uh, uh, a defender and try and gain a couple more yards along the sideline? Just be safe. My First of all, my guess is it's not the first time Jimmy has done that. I mean, it's obviously in his nature. Secondly, it's it, Look, we'd all want him to step out of bounds right now and save it for another day at this point in time. But for me, uh, I don't blame Jimmy for doing that. If anything, I look at the bright side, which is, look, uh, he's trying to set a tone. He's trying to tell his team, I'm a football player. I'm trying to be a leader of this young team. And I'm not a prima donna. I don't need extra protections. I'm with you all. And imagine if he turns his chest, doesn't tear his ACL, and puts his shoulder into Justin Houston, what kind of message that sends to the team and rallying them to finish off the drive. So I, I, I don't hate on him for doing that. You know, we, we often talk about players being soft and not taking punishment or doing this, that, the other. Here's a guy who tried to do that. Yeah, we'd all rather he not uh, since it resulted in an ACL, but it's hard for me to blame him on that. Yeah, it's a very fair and objective take coming from a, a medical professional like yourself. I'm sure you saw the biggest upset in roughly 25 years in the regular season when the Bills upset the Vikings 27 to 6. It seems that they really missed Dalvin Cook more than maybe we realized. He has a hamstring injury. You talked about Leonard Fournette who's missed two games. Hamstrings, I would think, would be one of the toughest ones to diagnose. Uh, what's the average recovery time in general from what you see? And is that an injury that you tend to be very cautious with just because of the chance of reoccurring? Well, the there's a lot of issues with the Dalvin Cook hamstring issue. The first one being, you know, I thought it was a hamstring and hoped it was mild. And he said after the game, it was a cramp. Uh, clearly it's not a cramp. You don't miss practices. You don't miss games because of a cramp. The second issue that I would say is there likely is some component of a compensation a little left hamstring with the left ACL. Uh, that's known. And, and I'm not saying he's not working hard, not in shape. What I am saying is, physiologically and medically, there's no way he's 100% yet just based on timing, and you can't speed up biology. And also remember, uh, most of the players, including the ones like Dalvin coming off of injury, did not play a lot in the preseason. And we see more muscle injuries in the early season anyways. We call them acclimation injuries. The other thing I would say about a hamstring is I think I'm pretty good at looking at acute traumatic injuries, and I've kept statistics over time that, that put it at about 95% accurate, like the Jimmy Garoppolo ACL was pretty easy. We actually put up a story before Kyle Shanahan said anything about it, uh, confirming that. But hamstrings are very difficult to tell by video because you literally could have a player pull up and fall down, and you'd think he's like, tore his hamstring in half, but the reality is he felt it and he pulled up lame so that he wouldn't hurt it anymore, and it's on the milder side. On the other hand, you may have a player that continues to run through the hamstrings uh, tear because he's really trying to finish the play. So it's not 
always evident to me how bad a hamstring is. And then we factor in what we talked about, the return to play in terms of the decision-making, and that complicates it as well. I did hear a lot of chatter on Twitter saying, yeah, Dalvin should just sit out this week. We're just playing the Bills, and then we have the Rams on Thursday, so let's save them for the Rams on Thursday. I can assure you only fans talk that way. I've never heard a coach, a GM, or anyone inside a football building speak that way about this is an easy game and we're going to bypass or rest a guy because it's an easy game. Now, potentially they may rest a guy because the scheme for this game doesn't fit this player and he's borderline anyways, but that's not calling the opponent a patsy and this is why we're, we're going to hold them out. Coaches and GMs do not think that way. And and the other thing is, this may be a big game on Thursday for all of us, the Rams versus the Vikings. I can assure you Vikings versus Packers or Vikings versus Bears is a bigger game for Minnesota internally in the building because it's a divisional game than something that's not in the division. And if you're telling me you're saving a player for the divisional game, I'd say, oh, that might have happened. I don't think that that played into the consideration that it was the Buffalo Bills at all. I've never heard anyone speak that way. And you can now see, gee, what happened with with, uh, the Vikings? Because if they were feeling that way, that might have led to what was uh, the biggest upset. If they were looking past Buffalo in some way, shape, or form. And I'll add something else, Mike, and I don't mean the answer to be so long-winded, but there's a side of me that I think Vontae Davis's halftime retirement in a weird way, absolutely rallied yep. Bills, absolutely. where they're like, you know, I've seen it before. I mean, whether it's the Kurt Warner phenomenon after the injury and going to the Super Bowl where a team rallies together saying, no, we're more than just one player, and we're not the dumpster fire disaster that everyone is saying, and, and we'll show Vontae Davis what he walked away from and uh, rally together. Perhaps that and the combination of, Maybe Vikings looking past. I don't know. And, and Dalvin Cook not playing. And, you know, as I always say, the ball's not round. But uh, the, the bounces you can't predict. But that, I think that had something to do with it. So let's see how long that effect can go on for the Bills. People underestimate these are the ultimate competitors. The, the, to get to this level, you have to just be someone who's fixated, win, do everything you can, and you don't overlook anyone. You don't get to the NFL if you're overlooking people. So that is a, a fantastic point. And, and you're giving us a ton of great information here. And another thing in terms of talent in the NFL, the power ranking first team and the power ranking 32nd team in the league, there is not nearly as big a talent difference as you might think. There is a much bigger difference between an Alabama in college at number one and the 32nd ranked team in the, in the, uh, in the country. And last year, heck, uh, San Diego State made it to, I think, 20th, uh, my hometown football team. But there is a huge gap in talent between Alabama and San Diego State. There is a very minimal slash minor gap in talent between the top team in the NFL, let's say the Eagles, with last year's Browns. The difference is not nearly as great. Of course, these are professionals, and and people think they're and don't realize the the Bills are a, an excellent, talented team. They may not have started off as well as some of the other teams, but they can beat anyone on any given day. And when you galvanize them with a retirement or something like that, that that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a top performance. We really appreciate Dr. Chow. This is fantastic information. Just one more question for you. I know you're very busy. You talked about Rams Vikings. It's a huge game this week. The Rams 
are three and zero, but they lost both of their starting cornerbacks, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib. Peters has a calf strain. I'm just not sure if he's going to play though. I think he's going to be out. And Talib has a high ankle sprain. He's absolutely out for a while. Thoughts on Peters and Talib moving forward, and and talk about the high ankle sprain. That's another dangerous injury we hear in the public that that sort of is can be lingering and go on for several weeks. Yeah, and there are different degrees of high ankle sprain. So not every high ankle sprain is out for a long period of time. Uh, and I did not see good film on uh, Akeem Tlaib's uh, high ankle sprain. A lot of times the TV copy that I record is uh, doesn't show the defensive backs uh, when they're downfield in coverage. They they stay on the quarterback and the line of scrimmage. Uh, the all-22 should be up, but I haven't seen it yet. But by all reports, uh, I believe it was Schefter and someone else that was saying there was surgery that was on the table for that. If that's the case, this is the severest form of high ankle sprain without a fracture, where the ligament is torn and the fibula and the tibula are white, that indeed may need surgery. And if not surgery, he's out for a long period of time. Assuming those reports are correct, not only will Keep Tlaib not play uh, right now, he won't play in the month of October. He would be lucky to play in the month of November or December if it really is that severe. And if he does need surgery on it, it could easily be seasoned and uh for him. So uh, this is going to be a bigger deal to follow on a keep to lead. Uh, Marcus Peters will not play this week. There is no way that uh, from a calf strain, a cornerback who needs to break on the ball, backpedal and break on the ball, and, and calf strains do linger, even if it's mild. I don't see how he plays this week. Uh, once again, the hope is that he could play in October and hopefully the earlier part of October and not the later part of October. So the Rams are going to be down their two starting corners for at least a few weeks. Yeah, that makes for a a pretty high-scoring game that could happen here on Thursday night. Dr. Chow, we thank you so much for joining us here. It's great to have you on Rotoviz Radio. Everyone should follow Dr. David Chow on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. He has a documented over 95% accuracy rate on diagnosing injuries on video. As soon as a player you have on your team gets injured, go to Twitter Ask Dr. Chow what he thinks about it. He'll give you a response. He's on Sirius XM Radio. Visit his website, drdavidchow.com. Dr. Chow, thanks so much for a few minutes, and we'll be following you and watching you on Twitter for that rapid injury analysis uh, for our fantasy players during the season. Thank you. We thank Dr. Chow for joining us here today. That was some fantastic information he gave us on the injuries that go on, whether it's the ACL, the quarterbacks running out of bounds. You know, he said he gives Garoppolo credit. If you notice, Dr. Chow isn't just taking the medical angle. He certainly understands dynamics of the NFL player. He understands about leading your team and and trying to get that extra yard. So he certainly gave you a balanced perspective there, talked about some great things, Philip Rivers' toughness, and so many wonderful insights that we can take forward. So when someone gets injured there on your fantasy team, make sure you go to Twitter, hit up at ProFootballDoc, ask him some questions, and look out for those periscopes as well. So again, thank you for tuning in to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Mike Randall. Please follow me at Randall Rant on Twitter. And don't forget to follow Rotoviz Radio at Rotoviz Radio as well. We have so many great podcasts coming out. Support us here at Rotoviz. We're working hard for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Beat, a Rotoviz podcast. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.